Sometimes the question comes up, why is it that any kind of practice like Zen practice or other spiritual practice that leads to clarification of who we are and why we are here and what the underlying forces are that make life possible. Why is it that these practices are so difficult? Why doesn't it suffice to just believe in teachings that exist? And there are many of these teachings that ask you to just believe them. Some of them demand that there is belief in only this particular teaching and nothing else. Others are a little bit more lenient, but overall give answers. It seems to me that practices that take a different way by asking questions and by requiring the person who is engaged in this quest, in this inquiry, to expend effort to examine the questions and to come to some sort of point where the question is answered either in the moment or where a completely different understanding arises. Those practices are much more difficult because they require us to let go of all these preconceived notions, assumptions, and imprints that we receive over the time of growing up in a culture, of having been born into a particular situation, into a particular race, into a particular kind of family or location. Why is it so difficult? The answer was already partially given, because there's a lot of undoing that this practice requires us to undertake. Letting go of ideas after examination and overcoming the very fierce resistance of an ingrained understanding of who we are. To a certain degree, we can say it is like working on overcoming some kind of addiction that we are having. The status of living out of our I am self and unconditionally affirming it most of the time brings forth such an addiction, such a dependency, and such a supremacy of one particular aspect of our psyche and of our being. If we give into our ego, into the I am self, with this unconditional affirmation, of course it will never be satisfied. It will want more and more and more. And the world is being cut into several pieces by the experience that originates from that only point of judgment, the I am self, the ego, 
things, events, feelings, perceptions, emotions that help strengthen the supremacy of the ego are experienced as pleasurable, nice, and they are the things the ego goes after. Things that challenge the ego, that make it aware of its shortcomings, are experiences uncomfortable, as threatening, as bad. And in between those two judgments, there's a pretty broad field of events, of experiences, thoughts, that do not threaten the ego, neither do they affirm it in a particular way. And I would call the broad area of indifference. Neutrality would be too positive of a word for it. So this is what the ego is indifferent about. And as we may know from our own history, what falls into that kind of category changes over time. So when we engage in a practice like this, where we ask the practitioner to look at what is it that makes these judgments? Is that all you are? Isn't there anything more to being a human being than the ego? And we all have that in us because instinctively, And through our intuition, we know that we are incomplete, just living out an egotistical, self-centered life. Nature has programmed us to seek companionship. It has made sure that human beings have affinity with other human beings unless there's something really off. And there are unfortunate beings who are incapable of the emotions of love, of affinity, of selflessness. It is something that we all have. And we all long for it. Now, if we look at the ego, the ego wants to be loved. It wants to be affirmed. But what we learn in this practice by looking at it critically and by examining the process of the functioning of the arising of this ego, of these judgments, is that we see that the aspects that are covered by this I'm self are very, very small and only partial. We need to go and find the fullness of life that lies beyond this self-centered way of being. Well, that doesn't sound like religion. And that's absolutely true. For a practice like this, no belief is necessary in any kind of teaching or dogma. The only thing that is necessary is the willingness to engage in the process of investigation. And as soon as we start that, 
It doesn't take long for us to find out that our intention, which apparently must be somehow larger or grounded in something else than just the ego, this intention gets us to start the examination. And shortly after that, we run into that ego and the intention is influenced. Our thoughts, when we sit here, might begin to go away from our following the breath. The cognitive aspect of our being, trying to exert its supremacy. Cognition, judgment, and living in that flat, dualistic world is the area where self-centeredness resides. What am I doing here? My legs hurt. This is ridiculous. What other thoughts might go through your head? If your ego and yourself is extremely tricky, it will even flip it around and affirm itself by negative attention. Remember, all that this self that is limited wants is affirmation and attention. Any kind of attention, may it be positive or negative, is what keeps it in the driver's seat. I can't do this. This is not for me. I am not worthy for this. I am a failure. All of these thoughts might come. And we learn over time to parse the thoughts and find out what is the core of them. And even in the language, you can find it out very quickly. I am. I. That is the focus. The other focus that this I am might give is to objectify and blame everything else. This is this person. If only the circumstances would be different, I would be more happy. All of these things are these lightning storms of thoughts and these dark clouds and the winds of an I am self that feels threatened in its supremacy by the stillness that we begin to manifest when we sit down and follow our breath. And, of course, it is very difficult to sit with that. It is very difficult to not give in in the way that we are accustomed to follow and unconditionally affirm the demands of that cognitive, the two-dimensional, self-centered layer. Besides, thinking, of course, let me point out that there are a couple of other things that come out through the ego that not necessarily have to do with cognition. Some very, very strong basic motivations 
in Buddhism, in the teachings of the historical Buddha, he identified them, and they were identified in the teachings, as the three poisons. If you look at the wheel of life, as it is painted sometimes in various traditions, in the center of that wheel, right where the axle is, there is where the momentum of the turning comes from. And you see a rooster that holds in its beak the tail of a snake, a snake that bites the hind leg of a pig, and the pig that bites into the tail feathers of the rooster. So those three animals depict the motivations and the forces of greed, anger, and delusion. Greed, anger, and delusion manifest in the I am self and in the ego constantly. The need for affirmation is based upon that underlying greed, the greed for power, the greed for having to be affirmed and loved. Anger as the pushback against everything that seems to stand and threaten this self that wants to be the center at all times. Delusion, of course, the assumption and the tune that this, this self tells us all the time that this is who you are. Examining that, coming face to face with it in this practice and practices that are similar, requires us to develop the strength to be able to face it and to be with it without being swept away. Following the breath, counting the breath, susokan, as it is called in Japanese, allows us to develop the resilience, the focus, and the determination to be able to make the room to be with seeing, understanding, discerning, seeing through and working through the attachments that are created by greed, anger, and delusion. And it's an ongoing work that we face. There is nothing wrong with having an ego, an I am self. We have to have one. It is a function and it is something that naturally arises and it is the basis of being able to be social, of being able to relate to the world, of being able to have society and culture. But what we can help with by engaging in a practice like this is that such a function of ego arises spontaneously according to the conditions in which we find ourselves, but not in a fixated, bound up, calcified, solidified way that doesn't allow it to be in the flow of what happens. 
So breaking up those conditions that bring that I am self when it arises to be always the same way or pretty much the same solidified way is a part of this practice that we are doing here. A lot of angst comes with it at times because it is working on that what has brought us to this point where we are, that what we are most familiar with. However, only through the examination, the looking behind and beyond, will we be able to actually see the I am self as a function that is necessary, but not as all that we are. This is not meant to sound psychological in any way. Zen practice and sitting, following the breath, experiencing samadhi, the experience of not being in a space where there is a separation between this and that, between subject and object. Those are very deep experiences that go beyond anything that psychology talks about. But being able to reconstitute a self after that is something that is doubted and that is feared by that self that doesn't want to let go of the way it is. This practice is difficult because it's a practice of change. But at the same time, what we discover in a practice like this is that that's what all is about. Constant change. Impermanence. The constant change all the time. So don't be discouraged if you find yourself in the beginning of your practice being not able to get really far away from that I am self that usurps your being. Take one breath at a time. And that space will come because that space is as natural as the I am self. Every breath taken with that as our intention builds what we call bodhicitta, which is the intention and the consciousness that actualizes the work we need to not just live self-centered under the tyranny of self that inflicts these limitations upon us. Zen practice is difficult as long as we are attached to the I am self. After that, it truly is child's play. The only faith you have to have is the faith in your ability to dedicate the time and the effort to undertake this investigation.